0: This, for me, goes back um, over 20 years. I When I graduated college, I went to work right away as a stockbroker and worked for some of the very big Wall Street-based brokerage firms. And then in 2004, my business partner and I left the, the big firms and started our own independent fiduciary, C-only retirement planning company. And the niche that we were, were working in was one for people that were getting very close kind of within spitting distance of the retirement finish line. And the other thing, the other kind of classification of clients that we had is you generally had to have significant assets um, to even get in the front door of my firm. And towards the end of that, of that time, there, if you didn't have at least a million dollars of investable assets, I usually wasn't taking on new clients less than that. And the reason why I say that is more around the fact that of how much it, it kind of bothered me, and that is that my own mom and dad did not have enough money technically to to qualify. And I use that word word intentionally to be a client of my firm. Now I obviously help them; they're my mom and dad, but. <laughs> Had I not been in the business, actually my younger brother's in the business too, my mom and dad would have had no help. You know, there wouldn't have been a financial advisor that was willing to sit down with my mom and dad given, you know, how little financial assets they had. And I just, I thought, you know, we're providing these, I'm a certified financial planner. I've been doing this now for over 20 years. And we're providing all this wonderful advice in investment management and, you know, reducing fees and, and helping them avoid taxes. And it's like, these are the people that have already kind of arrived financially. That's not representative of most Americans. Most Americans don't have millions of dollars and you can argue quite strongly that it's those people that don't have a gazillion dollars that really need the help from advisors the most.
1: Today, we're talking about how you two can master your 401k and make it work for you. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, the show where we share stories and advice on building up your marriage and wealth together. I'm Elle Martinez. Support for this podcast comes from Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money Masterclass. This course is designed to help you two get on the same page with money, dump your debt faster, and get you on the path to financial freedom. Sign up for the class today and get lifetime access. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash jumpstart. During this break with the podcast, I was catching up on a few things one of which was open enrollment. Every year, my husband gets a huge packet from HR, and we sit down and we go over all of our options with health insurance, dental, disability, and retirement. And this is probably the most financially adult conversation we have because, well, have you seen those things? It's a lot of information. I think it was 12 pages this year just for the 401k, And if you have insomnia, that is the cure. I've been getting the emails and I really appreciate the questions that you have. And from what you've been telling me, you want to get the most out of your benefits. I understand you guys work hard and you want your money to do the same thing, especially with your 401k, but you're not sure how to actually do it. HR gives you that packet and you two are left to figure out what's the best move for you. Today, we're gonna give you a leg up. Chris Costello, a financial planner and co-founder of Bloom, an awesome tool I discovered a few months ago, is going to break down how you two can come out ahead. Bloom sponsored a marriage and money workshop the other month that was so helpful, I have to share this with you here on the podcast. In this episode, we're gonna go over why you need to look at 401ks, how they fit in with your big financial plan, We know you have a lot of things going on. So how does your 401k contributions fit into that and how to get the most out of it? We go over a lot of information, but Chris does a fantastic job of keeping it in plain speak, no financial jargon that will throw you off. Hope you enjoy.
0: Yeah, sure. Let's just start with maybe at the beginning, you know, what it is, why it's important. So the 401k, which is a terrible name, it's actually named after a code of the tax law, you know, that they pulled out in the late 1970s. But effectively what a 401k is, and we might in our conversation today use 401k a lot, but it can also mean... 403B, if you're a teacher or a nurse, or you work for a .org type company. It could also be a 457 plan. Some of your listeners may have those. Even a TSP plan, which is a plan that if you're a government worker, that's the name of the plan that you participate in. All of those are employer-sponsored retirement accounts. It's effectively a way in which employees at companies Mm -hmm. take some of their paycheck today, and make the very mature decision to defer that, meaning not take Mm -hmm. it in their paycheck, defer it into an account in their name. It's their money. It's they're not giving the money back to the company or the record keeper holding the money. It's their money. They're just choosing to basically defer it Mm -hmm. into this account with the intentions of using that as retirement savings. Um, And so the reason why this is so dang important is I would guess that most of the people listening to this today are not going to get one of those things they used to call years ago a pension. So my grandpa, when mm-hmm. he retired in 1976, he got a pension, which means the company that he retired from, mm-hmm. he was a pilot, sent him a and my grandmother a check in the mailbox every single month for the rest of their life. My grandpa didn't even have to put any money into that. The company funded that all for uh-huh. them and then agreed to promise to pay that check in the mailbox for the rest of their life and many, many you know many decades yeah. ago that was the u.s retirement system mm-hmm. it is not the retirement system today no thankfully our firefighters our police officers and our teachers many of those folks will still get a pension but for your listeners that are working in corporate america 99 percent chance that they are not going to get that pension translation all of the responsibility is on our shoulders now to save our own money mm-hmm. into these retirement type accounts. And then if I'm going to part with some of my hard earned dollars and make that mature decision that I hey, I know I'm going to need to save some money. I'd like to buy some things today, but I'm going to save this money for many years down the road. At Bloom, we feel like dang it, that's a that's a responsible decision to make. Let's at least make sure that money that you're foregoing into your retirement account, let's at least make sure it's invested and working for you and you're not paying outrageous fees that you don't know about. Yeah. So the other benefits of the 401k is the tax code allows people to put money into their own retirement before taxes are assessed. So what does that mean? If you make this much money and do not participate in the 401k, all of this money is going to be taxed. But if you choose to take some of your money and put it into your retirement account, then only this much money is taxed. So by saving some of your own money into your own retirement account, you actually sidestep and avoid taxes today. So that's a benefit. The other benefit you get out of the 401k, 403b type accounts is that The money goes in, you get this tax benefit of it going into the account, and Mm -hmm. then as it's growing while you're working, you're not paying any taxes on the growth either. The taxes don't come into play until years down the road when you retire and start to take the money back out of the account, then you'll start to pay ordinary income taxes on that. The other benefit of the 401k, a lot of times the employer, as an incentive will match some of your contributions. And so advice point number one today is everyone listening to this, please make sure if you are working at a company that provides a a, a 401k or a 403b, make sure you know what the match is. What do you need to be putting into that account to get 100% of that match? In almost no circumstances should somebody be foregoing or giving up that free money. That's literally like your employer saying, we're going to give you a bonus, a little bit extra money. And you say, nah, you keep it. I'm good. (laughs) So you never want to do that. So figure out what that match is.
1: I do want to kind of hit in what you were saying, fast forwarding to retirement. Because I think a lot of couples are saying, okay, even if I don't get my 401k, I'll have social security. And I was looking over the numbers with that. And it was saying the average American Social Security retirement benefit is just over 1300 a month. And yeah. for most couples, for most families, that's not enough to live on. And yet it was around 21% of married couples rely on it, like 90% of their expenses and everything was dependent on social security. So things have changed with the retirement system and that the burden is on us. We make these investment decisions. So we want to maximize it because even if social security down the line uh, remains similar, just the numbers, it's not going to work out. You can't live off of that. For the majority of us, it's going to be relying on our choices and setting it up now so that later, we can have a semi-comfortable retirement and hopefully even better.
0: That's exactly right. And really social security was never intended to be a pension. It was never intended to be the ability to provide a comfortable retirement income. It was literally meant to provide a safety net at the very bottom, like just Mm -hmm. making sure people had something. And your statistic of $1,300 is spot on. My mom's social security is like $1,355 a month and uh, you know that'll increase mm-hmm. a little bit as you know as they inflate those dollars forward but the point and you're exactly right is that's not going to be enough when we talk about whether it's bloom or other people talk about they use the word retirement mm-hmm. I think I worry that sometimes people hear that word and I think oh that's too far off you know or conjures up maybe an image that that people aren't excited about and so Retirement is part of it, but it, I would say even more important than being able to retire, we talk to our clients all the time about having the ability to decide on your terms when you want to stop working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that because in, in, you, mm-hmm. you may stop working at what you're doing now and maybe you want to go You know, travel the world, or maybe you want to volunteer, or maybe you want to start a business or something. At what point can you have enough financial independence where you control that decision? Having the ability, maybe at some point in your life, to really control your own destiny—that's what we talk more. I think those are the stakes that are that are at play here. And so, you know, the four hundred one k is a big part of it. Is your, your willingness to make that mature decision at an early age and start contributing to that. And then obviously making sure that you're not paying all these crazy, it's your money. You know, let's make sure that you're not paying a bunch of these dang hidden fees inside of this 401k. Let's do our best to strip those out. Let's make sure you're invested properly. All those things are important.
1: Why don't we get into that where a couple, they're sitting down and they're saying, okay, we obviously do need to contribute more to our 401k. And a lot of times they're like, okay, well, how much do I need to contribute? And I feel like they are jumping in too quickly with that, because you got to, of course, define like what kind of lifestyle are you looking for for retirement or when you want to stop working? What are some things they need to keep in mind with investing in a 401k? Like where to begin the steps and the process in that?
0: Well, first of all, the HR can't help them pick those funds. The HR are not, I mean, they, they might be kind of behind closed doors, but the HR is not a financial advisor. You know, the HR is the one that's communicating the plan, but they're not the ones that can sit down, should not be the ones. <laughs> most of the time when I talk to heads of HR, they're like, I hate it when people come in and ask me for this advice, you know, because they know that they're not supposed to be doing that. But before, before you even get to the point of like what to pick, let's talk about contributions and maybe how much to contribute. So yeah. this is probably the most common question. We get asked, um, any of our clients, by the way, at Bloom, um, if we're just managing one, at least one account for our clients, they get access included in that $10 a month fee to an advisor at Bloom through a digital interaction, basically, and they can ask licensed advisors at Bloom any of these money related questions. So don't ask the HR person, you know, ask an advisor.
1: You guys, something that I appreciate are fiduciary. Yeah. Which means you have a responsibility to your client. So can you kind of, just real quick one.
0: Yeah, one simple question you can ask. If you're, and first of all, we're assuming that people actually are getting access to advisors. You remember what I talked about at the top of the show, there's a lot of advisors that won't even meet with people unless they have a huge account. But let's say some of your listeners, you know, uh, get access or meeting with an advisor, the advisor came to their workplace or the school to give a, you know, they brought in pizza for everybody and did the lunch and learn. All they have to ask is this, this question when you are giving me advice, do you legally have to act in my best interest? Let me repeat that. When you are giving me advice, do you by law have to act in my best interest? It sounds crazy because you're like, well of course an advisor would have to, but if they're not a fiduciary, Mm -hmm. they are not bound to, which means they can recommend products that are way more expensive for you, but pay them more commission. As a fiduciary, we have to put our clients' interests first. And so in the case of recommending things for our clients, cannot be for reasons that help us out. It has to be for the client's best interest, first and foremost. And secondly, when client when our clients come to us and they ask us questions about how much to contribute. To a 401k, or if they should refinance their mortgage, or they're going to buy a car, should they, you know, lease or buy or pay cash? We're not making money on those on those transactions, and so the advice we give is in their best interest. There's no there's no conflicts built into that. We're going to tell people what we think is the best thing for them. There's still a lot of people giving financial, and retirement advice that do not have to act in the client's best interest. It's kind of shocking, actually. So back to the the couple that's thinking about contributions or 401k. So remember what I said earlier, Mm -hmm. first first thing that must be done, figure out if your employer matches contributions Mm -hmm. and find out exactly how much you need to contribute to get 100% of that match to begin with. If you're thinking about increasing it above that level, Mm -hmm. we always tell our clients, if you are paying on credit card debt or student loan debt, we would actually say, do not put any more money above that Mm -hmm. amount into your 401k. The right thing to do is to tackle that burdensome debt. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the student loan debt as fast as humanly possible. Get rid of credit card debt as fast as humanly possible. So contribute just enough to get the match Mm -hmm. and then nothing else. Everything else should be funneled and attacking those debts. If your employer does not match contributions, the right thing to do is actually not contribute to your 401k, if you have ah. credit card debt. We think the right thing to do is to free yourself of that debilitating ball and chain, that debt that people drag around for way too long. It, it, having debt affects you financially, it affects you psychologically, and so getting rid of that as fast as humanly possible is, is always the right thing to do, in our opinion. You know what? You know what debt really does more than anything? It takes away choice. It limits your choices. And I, I grew up in a household, I saw this firsthand. My dad, his entire career worked in a job that he did not love, but my parents had debt and they had a mortgage and they had three kids and they had cars and probably some credit card debt. And my mom and dad did not have choice on what they ultimately could do. Um, My dad had to stay in a job that was not fulfilling to him because of this debt. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, getting yourself out of debt liberates you to be able to do other things. You can go try other things. You know, my dad, my dad used to always talk about wanting to start one of those restaurants that only served breakfast and lunch. You know, he's a big breakfast guy. He used to make breakfast on the weekends for us. And would have loved to have started a business that just, you know, did did breakfast and lunch, but the situation financially that my parents were in, he didn't have that choice. Mm-hmm. And and so consequently he spent 40 years doing what he didn't love. And I, I saw that firsthand. And so that's why I think it's so ingrained in me, even at the sake of the 401k of paying this off. Um, so let's say maybe your listeners are in a point where they're they're free of their debt no credit card debt no student loan debt house debt's okay house debt as long as you've got a good rate on that and and those people maybe you're having questions we got a little extra money we got our debt paid off how much do we contribute I, I i at that point i think it's smart to start ratcheting up how much you are socking away in that 401k yeah. because keep in mind even some of the crummy 401ks, you're still getting the advantage of the pre-tax, the, that tax benefit we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say still make sure if you're debt-free, make sure you've got, we like to say at least three months of living expenses sitting in a rat hole account. <laughs> the rainy day savings account tucked away, forgotten about. The reason why that's important is if one of, you know, husband or wife loses their job, got three months living expenses, that allows that person to take a little time to find the next job. You don't want to have to like rush out and find something quickly. Um, So have a couple, two or three months of living expenses tucked away. Um, If that's handled, um, if they're not saving up for a down payment on a house or any big expense, then I, I basically say at that point, yeah, start to ratchet up those 401k savings at that time.
1: There's been so many studies about the expenses, how they can affect long term, which you, you get out at the end. But also, there's no reflection that these higher expense funds are better performers. It tends to be low cost index funds. And just real quick, I was looking at the default that if you don't pick out where they send the money in my husband's 401k, I was looking at this return and it was the fee was actually like 11 times more. Than the index fund, and the performance was worse.
0: Yes, that's that's isn't that crazy? Like in life, mm-hmm. generally, you know, as consumers, we think mm-hmm. that you know, take take cars for an example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's not the best example, but I think this will work. Generally, you think if you pay more money for like maybe a Mercedes, you you expect mm-hmm. to get extra quality. You know, whether it's the quality of the engine or even the leather on the seat, you know, you expect that. And I think when we buy consumer goods, that's Mm -hmm. usually the case. It's like sometimes the exact opposite with investing, to your point, like sometimes the highest cost funds are the worst performing funds. And A, it should be easier to know what the expenses are. But B, yeah, a good kind of hack or a cheat, like if people are like, I'm gonna do this myself, I'm never gonna pay Bloom or anybody else to help me. If you wanna like a cheap hack or trick, Going with index funds is a good way, like if inside your 401k, just picking the index funds and allocating your money across those, that's that'll get you a good chunk of the way there. It really will. Of minimizing expenses, putting your money in a, in the funds like we've been talking about that have tended yeah. to perform a little bit better than those higher cost funds. Um, so, that yeah, that's something. Even Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of our lifetime, talks about that frequently, that most Americans would be very well served to just pick a diversified basket of index funds and go with that.
1: Special thanks to Chris for sponsoring that marriage and money workshop. I'm so glad I could share it with you guys here on the podcast. I think this is important. A lot of you are trying to, like us, be smarter with retirement and getting the most out of it. So please check out Bloom. As always, I'll have the info, details, and links to them in the show notes and just the resources to get you to started with those conversations. As you saw, 401k is just a piece of the puzzle. You have to look at the larger picture, the big picture, what's going on with your finances now to know how much to contribute towards your 401k. As always, just go over to couplemoney.com, and for this show, it's going to be couplemoney.com slash 401k. And if you guys want to catch those marriage and money workshops as they happen, please be a part of the community. We have some incredible free resources, including those workshops when they are released, and some free courses, including 5 Days to 5K. So if you need to bump up your savings, debt payments, or your retirement contributions, sign up at couplemoney.com slash 5k. And thank you so much for the kind reviews. I appreciate your support. If you know anyone else that could use this advice, please share it. Let's get the word out. Let's get those conversations started about marriage and money. We're out there on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and more. And if you haven't subscribed, go Grab the feed off our site so you can listen to the show from whatever podcast service app you prefer. Our theme song was written and performed by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevear. And please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about working together on your finances. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Couple Money. And of course, you can always email me. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.